You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the October 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be your host today. Um, Before we jump into today's topic, there's two things, Perry, that we need to let all of our listeners know about. Uh, The first is... Uh, an online volunteer event or online volunteer conference that we're going to be hosting October 6th through 12th. This is going to be available to anybody who wants to sign up during those dates at newspringnetwork.com. The deal is $29.99, and you can have as many people in the room, stadium, uh, venue. Stadium. That you, I stadium, love stadium. Yeah. So if you if, if Clemson University wants it and Absolutely. wants to put on the Jumbotron, oh my gosh, $29.99. I, and I know the president of Clemson University. I'm sure he's listening to this. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, l- and let me say this. Um, the first message in that is a message to volunteers telling them they're not crazy. Um, the second message is really kind of developing where, where volunteers come from in Scripture, like where we get the idea of really empowering volunteers. And then the last two messages in that are we destroy the top 10 myths of volunteers. It's $29.99, and it's not per person. It's per computer or per you know viewing audience or whatever. So if you want to get 150 people together in your church and have a volunteer event or 15 people together, this will work, and um, it's going to be available. When we say October 6th through 12th, it's basically going to be on demand that entire week. It goes live on October 6th, and 12 o'clock midnight on October 12th, it, um, it disappears for a while. That's great. And you can get all the information you need about that at newspringnetwork.com. And that's what we're excited about, New Spring Network. This is sort of a relaunch of what we used to call the Unleashed Ministries. It's taken everything we do or have done to the next level like this online event where we're trying to get as much information out to help as many people uh, in ministry as we can. And so if you want to check out uh, newspringnetwork.com, you can do that to sign up for the online event. And you probably some of our listeners probably heard about our double conference we had uh, just this past uh, a month or so ago, and all the breakout audio and notes uh, from the breakouts we did at that conference are available at that site. And you can you don't have to be sign up for anything or anything like that. You can download and listen to those things free, free. So again, another way we're just trying to resource the church uh, to become what the Lord is directing it toward, and is that. Uh, and that's what we want to be a part of is helping you build the church in your community. Let me let me just say yep. this. There's a lot of material there. Like a lot when I say free material, I'm not it's not like the in-app purchase, right? I mean, there we're not going to sell you a yep. we're not going to give you children's curriculum for free so we can sell you like the good children's curriculum. We're not upselling you. We're not upselling you. Is that what you call it in the business so. world? If I hope that's I th- if not, that's We just what, made it up. I love it. I think it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Well, uh, today's topic, Perry, before um, we go any further, let me let everybody know we're going to deal with three leadership myths that are really easy to believe. But before we jump into that, we've got a lot of great topics planned in the coming uh, episodes of Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, but we'd also love the opportunity to answer questions that you guys are asking. And So if you ever have a topic that you'd love to hear Perry's thoughts on, you can always email that to us at network at newspring.cc, and we'll get that in the rotation and try to address the questions that you're asking. Uh, So Perry, no matter what role in leadership that we have, we're always looking for ways to make things easier. Uh, In doing so, sometimes we'll be tempted to fall for some ideas that are simply myths. 
And when we do, we can get ourselves into our, you know, our organizations off track. So today we're going to address three predominant myths. And the first myth is this. The bigger my church or the bigger my organization gets, the easier it will be to lead. Now, this would be great if it was true. Uh, why do you think this idea creeps into the minds of leaders? Well, you know, Shane, I, I sat down about, I guess, three, two or three weeks ago and sent you an email with these, these myths in there. And the reason I know they're myths are at some point in my journey, I've believed these. And, and so it's naturally easy to believe, okay, my church is 100 people, um, and it's really tough. But when we get 250 people, it'll be easier. And then when I get 500 or when I get 1,000, it'll be easier. And the reason, it, it's, the reason it's so easy to go there emotionally, the reason it's so easy to go there mentally is because it allows us to not deal with what's immediately in front of us. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in Luke 16, he said, if you can be trusted with a little you can be trusted with much. Um, and I think as a leader, so many times I just said, you know what, it's a problem now, but it won't be a problem when we get to be bigger. Um, it, it won't be as big of a problem. And that's true. It won't be as big of a problem. It'll be even bigger <laughs> of a problem. And so getting and, – and the other thing is getting bit bigger, growing as an organization, it does not make things more simple. It makes them more complex. And because of that, by default, your organization or your church isn't going to be get easier. And so it's best to go ahead. I mean, what I would suggest to leaders um, of churches, and, and Shane, we're actually in the process of doing this right now, is go ahead and list the two or three biggest problems, um, areas, or opportunities, opportunities for improvement, yeah. um, however you want to say that. Go ahead and list the three, that, not that you think you have one day, but are there right in front of you. Go ahead and list the ones that if somebody, if you hired somebody to come in to your church and point out the three problems, what are the three problems they would point out? And then how do you deal with that? Because I think until you deal with that, um, getting bigger would not be a blessing. It would actually be a curse. Um, what are some things you've learned over the years here at New Spring that's helped you see that growing doesn't make things easier, but it actually makes things harder. Okay, so I'll take the issue of staff. So people say, if I, okay, I've got uh, three staff members. If I had six staff members, things would be easier. Well, it's not true. Because if you have three staff members, then you also have three opinions. When you have six staff members, you have six opinions. And six opinions in a room um, are are way more intense to deal with than three opinions in a room. Um, If you have 10 staff members, you have 10 opinions. If you have one staff member, okay, if there's just you and one staff member, there's you and that person. If you have two, it doubles the line of communication. If you have three, it multiplies the line of communication. And so you've got more lines of communication. Um, And so I've, I've just learned, I've just learned that more people, if you're not careful, can equal more problems if they're not led correctly. If they're led correctly, more people leads to more potential. But if they're led poorly, more people leads to more problems. The same thing's true with money. Um, churches, pastors will come to me and they say, well, our budget is $100,000 or $500,000. If I had more money, it would be easier. 
And, and the truth is, it's not easier because with more money becomes more systems of accountability, more structure, people that know how to handle money, people that know how to deal with money. Um, here's the thing that you and I have both seen. Anybody in your church that handles money and knows how to deal with money, um, they're tight. Yeah, They're real tight, man. And you know what? It's their job to be tight. That's and why they're good with money. That's right? why they're good with money. Okay, don't hire the broke homeless guy to manage your finances. And so um, I would just say those are the two areas in staffing or money. I used to think if we have more staff and we have more money, it'd be easier. And that's not true. Once again, it goes back to stewardship of what you have right now. I love one of the verses that's always stuck out to me in the Old Testament is when Moses was telling God he couldn't go to Egypt, and Mo and God told Moses, what is that you have in your hand? Mm -hmm. That's the question. And Moses had a staff in his hand, and that's what God used to do the miracle. God didn't say, well, when you get there, I'll give you some more. God said, I'm going to use what you've got right now, and then as you continue to grow as a leader, I'll give you more responsibility. So the staff in his hand that he used on the backside of the desert was also the staff that he used to part the Red Sea. But it was something that he learned to do over through a process, not just because he wished it would get bigger and better. That's real good. You know, this kind of this myth right here would also say that having uh, one kid is harder than having two, which is harder than having three, which is harder than having. The more kids you have, the easier it is to yeah. run your family. Absolutely, that 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 is that is beautiful. That, yeah, I've got one kid now, and I can't change their diapers, and I can't feed them on time. But if I had five kids, we'd have a perfect family. You know, one thing you said in the in your comments about learning this is you said having more people doesn't mean less problems, but it does mean more potential. Yes. So talk about that for a second. Where you, if you get that, you said you've got. <clears throat> Excuse me, all of our listeners you out get, there. You get choked up. When we um, talk about yeah, this but there is. You said you have that many opinions at the table, but you also have that many people's emotional problems, other problems, all this kind of stuff. But if led well, you've also brought so much more potential. Talk about how where the, this is a myth that it gets easier. But what's the issue when you bring more people uh, to be a part of what you're doing? How do you realize the potential instead of the problems? Well. It's in welcoming. So we've got this deal, and we've talked about this numerous times, of behind closed doors, we're going to talk about the issues. We're going to talk about what's really out there. And disloyalty is being dishonest. Mm -hmm. uh, loyalty is not always telling me, you did a great job, boss, way to go. Knock them dead with that one. That's not loyalty. That's the emperor has no clothes, and nobody's willing to say the emperor has no clothes. Um, I, I feel like, Shane, the way to almost steward people's opinions well. John, I heard John Maxwell say this for the first time, and he, he probably quoted somebody because he quotes everybody because he, he's, he's, a, he's a good quoter. Um, he said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's good. And so in a room full of opinions at a table, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think it's especially true if you can get people around the table that don't think like that don't think like you, but think what you think. Does that make sense? Yep. So yes, we agree that the church should move forward. Yes, we agree that we should reach people for Christ. Yes, we agree on that. But my ways of getting there and your ways of getting there might not agree. But if I care about you as a person and I've communicated that to you, and we sit down at the table, even if we don't agree on how we're going to get there, at least we agreed on what the goal of the project is. And I think that's the biggest win. But the reason that's difficult is you got to fight for it. 
And if you can't do it when you've got two or three or four people in the room, you will fail miserably when you have 20 or 30 or 40 people in the room. That's really good. You may not think the same, but you want the same thing. Yeah. That's a difference maker. And that's the thing, That's the thing. you know, Shane, even this past week um, in our leadership meeting, we had some pretty intense conversations. But I remember I specifically said, hey, guys, at the end of the day, we all want yep. the same thing. And it was it was good intense because we were behind closed doors. We didn't get into name calling. Nobody said anything about anybody's mama. It didn't become personal, but it was intense. But the reason it was intense is because we all want to move the ball forward. That's great. Let's go to myth number two. The second myth is this. What got us here will keep us here. Yep. Uh, you know, Perry, I've heard it said if it ain't broke, fix it. Or I'm sorry, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is this the type of mentality that allows this myth to, to become somewhat uh, or something we fall for? Yeah, so there's this good thing in um, church, and it's also a bad thing, and it's called momentum. Um, if you—listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, go buy it. If you can't buy it, go to a bookstore, find it, sit down— Read the chapter on momentum. I don't know what that chapter is. I don't know what that law is, but it's the law of momentum. Momentum, when you've got it, it makes you look better than you really are. Mm -hmm. When you don't have it, you look worse than you really are. Um, and so what happens to a lot of churches, um, and every church, every business, every organization is susceptible to this, is we don't understand what business we're in. We're, we're in the reaching people business. Um, and uh, be because we're in the reaching people business, we've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people. That means we've actually got to connect with people. Um, I've, ha I've, asked, I've had people ask me, do you think tr time travel will exist? And I think time travel does exist. You step into most churches and you step back in time 50 years, mm -hmm. and you don't even have to try. Yes, time travel exists every single Sunday morning. We go backwards. And so, and it's because churches haven't understood that it's our job to connect with people where they are, understand their language. You know, it's so funny, and I've talked about this before, if you go to another culture and learn their language and speak their language and use that language and leverage that culture to reach them, you're a missionary. If you do it in America, you're called compromising and watering down the gospel. Yeah. And I just say, I think what works in one place should work in the other place. And I think God has called us to be missionaries to our society. Here, um, Netflix. Netflix, um, you know, 20 years ago, nobody had heard of Netflix. You know what we're talking about 20 years ago? We're talking about blockbuster video. Everybody that was alive um, 20 years ago, and listen to this podcast, if you were alive 20 years ago, you had a blockbuster card or you knew somebody that had a blockbuster card. But today, if you've got a blockbuster card, it's because you either live in the most hick town in America or you haven't cleaned out your wallet in 20 years. Blockbuster thought they were in the VHS rental business and the DVD. They didn't understand they were in the entertainment business. Had they understood they were in the entertainment business, we would be sitting here talking about Blockbuster instead of Netflix. But Netflix understood how to speak people's language and how to make it convenient and how to take it to them. And that's why everybody has Netflix today and nobody has Blockbuster. I, um, I've got a good, real good friend who... Years ago, um, th this is dating me a little bit, but man, in the 90s, he opened a pager store. You remember pagers? Yeah. Did I you did. ever have one? I did. When I was in the insurance business, I had to carry pager. I, so if you don't know what pagers were, man, just Google it. It was great. 
So he opened up this pager store, and he sold pagers. Can you imagine that? Um, well, that's, There's not many of those left, are No, <laughs> no. If there is, it's right next to the Blockbuster store in the Hicktown. Um, but he was in the pager. He was in the... He, he was in the pager business. Most people would say, well, he was in the pager business. Well, my friend realized he wasn't in the pager business, that pagers were a part of communicating. So he started studying the art of communications and where it went, and his pager business um, built and built and built until, into a multimillion-dollar company that he ran and he eventually sold because he understood, I'm not in the pager business. I'm in the communication business. So the church needs to go back to God has called us to reach people. We are in the people business. We're not in the politic business. We're not in the try to keep as many people happy business. We're in the people business. Um, and so that's why what got us here won't, won't keep us here, won't get us where we need to go. Um, before I go to the next question, I think this would be an appropriate place to uh, give a shout-out to Sam Gibson, our Florence campus pastor, who not only drives a Buick, but I think Florence actually has a Blockbuster, and Sam may own a Blockbuster car. He probably So does. I didn't want to let this moment pass. That is so true. Calling that out. You know what? You know what, Shane? Sam might have a pager. He, he, he may might. Have, Sam, get, I know you're listening him. to this right now. Somebody <laughs> beep Sam and see what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm sorry. I got a sidetrack. But, uh, Perry, how have you seen this false idea uh, that what got us here will keep us here show itself at New Spring? Have we ever fallen for this? Oh, yeah, man. So it's, it's assuming it in 2010, I think we had what I would call a um, – defining all staff meeting. And it's when I shared the three assumptions that we assume people know what they need to do. We assume people are going to show up because we think if we're excited about it, they'll be excited about it. And we think people are going to grow just because we tell them to read their Bible. And so because of that, we rode momentum for about 10 years. And so what we realized is we had a lot of people that didn't know what was going on in our church. They weren't excited about what we were excited about. And they weren't growing in their faith. And it wasn't their fault. That's right. It's our fault as church leaders. And so we said, you know what? We're going to take ownership over this. We're going to fight those three assumptions. We're not going to fight the people. We're going to fight those three assumptions. And because of that, we were able to break through what I call riding the wave of momentum. That wave always comes to a crash. And I've surfed before. When the wave stops, um, it can hurt. It really can hurt. For, for those wondering right now, I have surfed before have pictures of me surfing before that is not – I haven't surfed professionally, but I have surfed. You surfed. That's all you need to know. You know, the, those assumptions you said, Perry, we realized um, were true about how we were viewing some of the people attending our church, but it was also true about how we viewed our staff. I mean, we yep. had to realize that if staff's going to grow, we've got to do some things to get them ready uh, to take their next steps as well because what got us here wouldn't keep us there. If uh, a leader's listening to this and thinking, you know, we've been doing the same thing for a long time, we really haven't moved – Forward. What are some things that a leader can do to, to war against falling for this myth? The, the leader needs to keep in mind, um, okay, what, what are the basic assumptions? And Andy Stanley did a great podcast on this, but what are the basic assumptions we have as an organization? Are, are these assumptions true? Um, and what, what, do, what do the staff understand? What do they know? What do they own? Um, one of the languages that we have here at New Spring Church is we don't have members, we have owners, because members have rights, but owners have responsibility. Um, well, it's even greater when the staff can take that mentality of, I own this vision for this church, but people can't own what they've never been given. 
That's good. And so you've got to take time to give them the vision. You you have to not only tell them what to do, but you need to explain to them why they're doing it. And I think for a while, Shane, we got caught up in just hiring people and telling them what to do or recruiting key volunteers and telling them what to do. And they were going out and doing it, but they didn't know why they were doing it. So when you'll take five to ten extra minutes and explain the why behind what you're doing, then here's what's beautiful. The what can, al- the what can always change. That's right. What we do will, can always change. Why we do it, reaching people, will never change. So what we do, our music style, is always available for, for change. Why we do it isn't a d- discussion. Uh, what we what we preach about, we can change that. We can go any direction we want to go in. But why we preach to reach yep. people far from God and teach them how to follow Jesus step by step, that doesn't change. The what is in an open hand. The why is in a closed hand. And when you have a staff that understands that, it it makes moving the ball forward pretty easy That's or easier. Yep. Uh, myth number three. Prayer is the power that produces results. Doesn't that sound great? It's it does a, sound good. It's a tweetable phrase. It is a it is a tweetable phrase, and it's the worst leadership myth out there. <laughs> why do you, why do you say this idea is a myth? Well, in the Bible, we could start back at the beginning when God asked Noah to build an ark. Noah did not pray the ark out of the sky. He obeyed. He put blood, sweat, and tears, and he built a boat. And because he perspired, not prayed, Mm -hmm. because he perspired, he saved the world. Nehemiah didn't pray the wall back up. I've had people say, well, Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven, Uh, but he rebuilt the altar first. So there's always prayer. Let me back up. I believe in the power of prayer. I know prayer works. I pray every day. Um, I, I know people pray for me. I know what's made a difference in my life. I've seen people healed through the power of prayer. But one of the most common myths, here, here's, here's the reason the whole, well, let's just do a big call to prayer. And I'll, I'll get really specific here, and it'll get real tense. Um, the, the Southern Baptist Convention is doing this big, huge call to prayer right now. And I just want to put it out there. I'm thankful for the Baptist. I was saved in a Baptist church. Um, I... You know, I was called to ministry in a Baptist church. My first two churches that I worked in were Baptist churches. New Spring is actually affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, although they don't claim it very much. Um, and so I am not anti-Baptist. My heart is built on nothing less than Lottie Moon and Broadman Press. And if you're Baptist, you totally got what that meant. And if you're not, you're probably Presbyterian, and that's fine. We can have a glass of wine later. But the the, the big movement that the Baptist church right now is doing, and they're calling people. It's, it's huge. It's all over Twitter. They're calling people to prayer. Now, I want to I pause. I want to be delicate here and say, I don't ever think that's a bad thing to call people to prayer. But I want to be real honest. What's going on in most Baptist churches, and most churches all around, but Baptist churches, is they can pray for God to send people, but if they don't change the way they do church, if God sent people into the church, it wouldn't draw them to God. It would push him, them away. Um, most churches aren't ready for lost people to show up because in too many churches, we're doing things that are outdated. We're doing things that lost people don't understand. We're doing things that are confusing. We're doing things that are weird, but we hold on to them. And listen, all prayer is, if changes do not exist, 
for the Southern Baptist Convention is rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yep. You can pray about it, but it's going down if something does not change. And I don't say that to be mean or accusatory. I say that because I think it can change, but change is the key. And prayer is huge. But if you got leaders willing to pray but not willing to sweat, things aren't going to change. If you have leaders willing to pray, you know what, Shane, I've discovered, and I've done this in my own life, sometimes I'll try to pray away a difficult decision. So a change needs to be made. A change needs to be made in leadership. A change needs to be made in direction. A change needs to be made in personnel. But I don't want to make that decision, so I will pray for God to do it rather than step up and be the leader that God called me to do and me make the change that God is calling me to make rather than throw it off on him, pray about it, and if it doesn't work, oh, I guess it wasn't God's will. Yeah, you would think that you know if we're called to prayer, which we are, that the Lord's going to respond with instruction, because that's usually what happens. So we're to listen and then trust him and do something. I don't think uh, Jesus is responsible for the decline in attendance in church this uh, in America, maybe even around the world. He's certainly not responsible for the decline in a denomination affiliation. It's probably because those who are praying are hearing and are scared to change. And so what would you say to the, to the, the Baptist pastor out there, any other pastor that knows there's things they need to do, but their church governing is limiting them, their own fear is limiting them, the team around them is limiting them, where they feel like, even if I try to change, I'm going to get shot down. How can we encourage those listening, knowing that the Lord is taking them to the right steps, but they're finding it hard to pull the trigger? I equate what most denominations call a call to prayer is nothing more than the prophets of Baal dancing around the altar from morning till evening and not seeing any results because they're calling on a false God. They're calling on a God of a denomination. They're calling on a God of, um, Hey, we, we've always done it. We've always done it this way and we think it'll work. And let me, let me, let me just say this. I am not anti-denomination. I love the, the Baptist and what they do for missions. I love the Presbyterians and what they do for theology. I love the Charismatics and what they do for excitement. I love the Catholics and what they do for the like the the good traditional. I mean, just the relics and and the stuff in the Catholic Church. I love the Methodists for the. Um, I'm not really sure why I love the Methodists, but I love grace, I love, baby. Grace. That's yes. what that's all about. Amen. John Wesley and grace. John Wesley. Love him. Anyway, um, and so I love all denominations. At one time, if you go back and study the history of denominations, um, all of them exist for a reason. But the other funny thing is all of them exist because not of trying to move forward, but because of a disagreement in the church somewhere. So it started with a split. Anything that starts with a root of bitterness and anger is doomed to um, destruction. You can't start something in bitterness and anger and it eventually turn out really good. And so going back to denominations, denominations were um, originally formed around this is what we're going to do and this is why we're going to do it. And they held both of those things in closed hands. And so when it goes wrong, the easiest thing to do is say, we're going to pray about it and really depend on God when in actuality, God called us to be leaders because he's depending on us to step up and do what he's called us to do. I don't think problems exist in the world because Christians aren't praying enough. Because, Shane, I've had too many conversations with lost people that tell me they pray every day. It's not that we're not praying enough. It's not that, it's that we're not perspiring enough. It's not that it's we're not willing to put in the effort to do what needs to be done to go to the next level. It's because we're not willing to say, 
that idea doesn't work anymore because we're, we know if we do, we're going to hurt somebody's feelings or offend them when in actuality we hurt God's feelings and offend God when we don't step up and do the tough things that God has called us to do as leaders in the first place. So once again, I am not against prayer. I am for prayer. But prayer is not the only thing that's going to bring the nation back to God. It's people praying, but also preparing church environments where if people actually came into them, they would be drawn to God instead of repelled from Him. That's what I think the Southern Baptists need to do, and that's what I think every denomination really wants to do if they want to do whatever it takes to evangelize the world and reach them for Jesus. That's really good. You know, Perry, I think that's, uh, you know, we've looked at these three myths, myths that all of us as uh, leaders are tempted to fall into because at the end of the day, it makes leading seem easier. And so uh, as we close out today's podcast, any final thoughts again for the leader out there who has maybe fallen for these myths, is fighting against falling for these myths, what can they do to get things going in the right direction? Well, let me just kind of walk back through them. Myth number one is the bigger my church or organization gets, the easier it will be to lead. Um, I'm going to tell you that that's not true. Uh, it's never been more difficult to lead New Spring Church in some ways than it is right now. On the flip side, it's never been more easy. Um, and, but you, we've had to navigate that process. And so the thing to do in order to destroy that myth is go ahead and be a really good steward of what God has put in your hands. Um, the second myth is what got us here will keep us here. And that's not true. Um, what got you there? Uh, it could hey, it could have been God. It could have been prayer. It could have been perspiration. It could have been luck. Um, we, we've had a lot of all four of those happen around here. But what got you there won't keep you there. And so go ahead and list the three issues that you know you need to deal with now. Deal with them so you can go on to what's next. And last but not least, prayer is the power that produces results. Um, prayer is power. We've seen all through the scripture that prayer is power. But also, if you'll go study um, all the miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament, all the miracles began with a problem, and many of them, if not most of them, always included a step of obedience. When he healed the lepers, what did he tell them? You go, te- you go show yourself to the high priest. In John 9, when he healed the man born blind, what did he tell him? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. There was usually a step of faith associated with a miracle. So many times we want to ask Jesus to do the miracle, but we don't want to take the step of faith required to do it. And if you're Baptist and you're, and you're listening, I know I've kind of picked on you a little bit. I love you. Like I said, I love the Baptist convention. I love the Baptist denomination. But prayer, prayer, listen, I'm going to say it one more time. If God sent people to our churches this coming Sunday and we're not prepared to meet them, meaning that our people actually want them there, our people actually care enough about them when they get in the door, they don't have to look like us, they don't have to dress like us. Hey, they don't even have to believe what we believe. We're just excited that they walked in the door and we want to meet them where they are and take them to where they need to be. If the church prepared those types of environments and did it in a prayerful way, we would see revival sweep the nation. But do not put off on God through prayer what he's called us to do as leaders by making hard decisions. Man, that's real good. That's a good place uh, to put a button on today's podcast, and we will see you guys next month.